God bless you. You may be you may be seated. I have preached in both of the other congregations several times uh, since June the fifth, but I and I have visited you frequently, but I don't think I've actually preached or taught for you except the one night when I was asked to testify. And it uh, went further than that. Praise God. I am uh, really thrilled with what the Lord did for you, with you, to you, through you this past Easter. Uh, you probably heard, but if you haven't, Antioch West, or excuse me, Crofton had 212. And... Severn had 113. That means Antioch West had 325 on Easter Sunday. And uh, as wonderful as that is, what is, what it really is is just an opportunity. And if each one of you would take the personal responsibility to call people that you know uh, that were there or that weren't not there, there's no reason to have a big drop-off this coming Sunday. There really isn't. Uh, you didn't have uh, a program. You just had church. Uh, so there weren't people there for a program. And that means those folks are very likely to come back with a little bit of encouragement. And so I'm encouraging you to do that. Uh, I know the announcement has been made. I'm going to make it again. Tomorrow night is a leadership meeting upstairs starting promptly at 7. Uh, if you're a part of the uh, congregational elder team or you're a licensed minister, either Antioch or UPCI, you and your spouse are expected <laughs> and uh, be happy to have you uh, look forward to seeing you there I have great anticipation for this session tomorrow night also if you uh, it, to explain the situation because we have for several years have not been having church on Easter Sunday night, if we would have done Antioch United on Sunday night this week, that means you and uh, Antioch North would not have Sunday night service for two Sunday nights in a row. We felt like that would be negative, and so therefore we're going to have Antioch United on Saturday night just this month so that uh, we can have church Sunday night in our three congregational locations. And that's, uh, that's very important. And I'm hoping that you will make it a priority to come and be together. Uh, I hope you haven't gotten where you've adjusted not seeing your friends and relatives. <laughs> <laughs> 
and whomever, brothers and sisters in the Lord, it's a great time to come together, and we're looking forward to the Lord doing wonderful things. I, I, I'm, I don't know that I, I want to call this teaching, ministering. I was uh, looking, the, just sitting over here a while ago, the Lord said something to me I hadn't really noticed before. And uh, if you if you have a Bible, and since there's no screen, you'll have to go there yourself. But I'm going to read several places, uh, all in Revelation 2 and 3. Revelation 2, I'm going to read first, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then, as you know, you have some idea what's coming. Uh, Verse 29, chapter 2. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Chapter 3 and verse 6. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith saith unto the churches. Then verse uh, 13, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then in verse uh, 22, uh, missed one someplace, there's seven of them because there were seven churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You may be seated. Now, If I go to my complete word study Bible that lets me touch on the word, a word, and I'm going to do that, and it's the Greek, I'm going to do saith, and it's the exact same Greek word, the exact same tense in every one of these verses, and the uh, the tense of the verb is the present indicative active, and here's what that means. The present indicative active uh, asserts something which is occurring while the speaker is making the statement. Let me tell you the implication of that. The implication of that is that the Lord wasn't telling us to hear what he had said or to be alert for what he was going to say. The Lord was saying to those who are hungry, have faith, committed, submitted, sensitive, you're hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church right now. You're hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church right now. I, I, I've done some, uh, I, I, 
it's almost never the situation when I'm praying, uh, especially in the mornings, that the Lord doesn't just drop things into my spirit that I'm not even thinking about, not seeking for, not looking for. He just says stuff. And, of course, I don't ever pray without something to write on. And if you pray without something to write on, you're saying you don't expect God to give you anything to remember. So if you're praying without something to write on, you're praying, demonstrating you don't have faith that you and the Lord are in contact, communication, and that you're talking to him and he's going to talk back to you. The problem is most of us are too many. I don't know how many would be the case here at Antioch. I seriously hope it's not the majority because that's been the effort for years. That is to emphasize to you how important it is for you to personally be sensitive to the Spirit. The problem is so many of the time, so for, for so many people, they think that God's voice uh, sounds so different and so distinct that it that you can't mistake it that it's him. And when it doesn't come to you like that, then you don't believe God's talking to you. I I've told this many times. I remember being younger and thinking that I couldn't wait to get older because obviously as I got older, I would be more spiritual. Hopefully. And I would be, it would be a whole lot easier for me to remember, to hear the, the voice of the Lord. And, and I wouldn't have this, this test of my faith is this God speaking. Boy, was I ever wrong. The more spiritual you get, the quieter God speaks. If God speaks loud to you, that's not a compliment. I'm saying that again. If God speaks loudly and distinctly to you, it's not a compliment. I, I think I'll say that one more time. If God speaks, speaks loudly and distinctly to you, it's not a compliment. It's like speaking to a child. And to the the best of your knowledge, you're sure that all of their auditory system is working. But from the response to your voice, you have to question that. So you have to speak, speak distinctly. And on occasion, you may have to raise the volume level up a little bit just to Make sure they understand you mean business. It is not a compliment for God to speak loudly and distinctly to you. And so as you, as you get more and more spiritual and more and more sensitive, The only way you know the difference between God's voice and your own thoughts is experience. Uh, 
That's why the Bible says try or test the spirit, the spirits to see whether or not they're of God. What are we testing? Some feeling? No. What's going through our mind? And in your trials and tests, about 90% of the time, the first voice and thought you hear will not be God. You might say, well, give up. You might as well quit. Forget it. What's the use? If you will not swallow the lie, not respond to that first voice, the second voice you hear will usually be a still small voice, a still small voice, and that'll be the Lord. And so I, 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 things have been coming in prayer, and this has been a really, those of you that have been around very long and are spiritually sensitive, you know how much my life changed on December the 18th, 2005. It changed because your life changed. If you're a part of Antioch, the situation changed. Well, then, if you were here June the 5th, 2016, things changed even more, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Well, uh, there have been some, in these years, in the interim, there's been some significant changes in my life. Several different major changes. Of course, the first one was December the 18th, 2005. Uh, there was another one in uh, July of 2009. There was another one in March of 2011. And June the 5th, 2016 was a major change in the spirit for me. Major change. And then October of last year was probably as dramatic a change for me as there's ever been. I don't know what it all means, but my me and my ministry or this ministry has not been anywhere remotely like this ever before. And... Uh, Used to, God would give me a word for a service. But for the last 11 and a half years, the Lord has given me a word for the church. And he has sent me places to preach that word. And I must say to you that if the things that I feel like he's giving me is God, and I believe it is, and if this is what the Spirit is saying to the church, uh, one of the most significant messages that I've preached or taught in years was in Arnold on Sunday night, a couple of back in January, February. If you have not heard the message, I recommend you either go online on uh, live stream or uh, Antioch's website, or you can go to my channel, 
Apostolic Iron Channel on YouTube and look up the message when someday becomes today. I'd never heard anything like that. I'd never read that someplace. God spoke that to me. When someday becomes today. Many, many, many people who believed over the years for the Messiah to be born had true faith for the Messiah to be born. But they let life and circumstances cause them to miss the fact he was born. So much so, and especially since he did not come like they were expecting him to come. And even with the dramatic revelation of him at the in the last three and a half years or so of his ministry, the very ones who had been leading the movement of faith to believe for the Messiah to come were some of the loudest voices to crucify Christ. Because they could not recognize that today was the day. So much so that Jesus stood and wept over Jerusalem. And made the statement. Because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. And he began to itemize or he had itemized already the terrible things that were going to happen to Jerusalem because they didn't recognize it. I want you to hear me. I'm making this statement without apology. It was a significant breakthrough that took place in the earth, in this country, and for Antioch in October of last year. But we don't see it like we expected to see it. So some of us are not participating with it. Uh, there's three primary Greek words translated time. The one, the one that is used in Luke chapter 19. You missed the time of your visitation. We says that word means a strategic, epical moment in time. You missed it. You missed it. And all three of our congregations are very different. All three of them are facing very different chat, uh, circumstances and different challenges. All three are. Baltimore on, or North, Antioch North on Easter Sunday, and they combined, the two congregations combined, and they normally run around 145, 150 combined. They had 245 Sunday. They had eight baptized, five received the Holy Ghost. Right. There is something dramatic happening 
But our problem is life. It is difficult for humanity to give them give itself wholeheartedly to the things of God while you got life to be dealt with. This is something the Lord's been really talking to me about recently, and I've I haven't made a thorough study of it, but I keep writing stuff down, and and all of a sudden it's like my eyes are open to a new degree than I have it has been before. And almost every place I'm reading in the New Testament, there is an emphasis on what Paul was going through or the church was going through or the challenges or the sufferings or the difficulty. At the same time, God was doing awesome and amazing things. And humanity says, when I get all my problems solved, when life calms down where I don't have anything pressing on me, I'm going to give myself to. I got really bad news for you. That day is never coming. And if you have to have your life all straightened out, all your kids grown and gone and whatever, no, there's a whole lot more groaning with kids than there is growing with kids, right? Yeah, right. It's just the way it is. It's not, it's not going to happen for you. Because as I read the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, the stuff he went through. I mean, we got him up here like he's some amazing person who was exempt from everything negative. But that's not true when you read what the book says about his life. He, he was going through it all the time. And the problem is we block out those things. But the churches he ministered to back then didn't. And so many times Paul has to say to them, don't let my bonds bother you. He actually went so far as to say, I'm a prisoner of Christ. And there were people in the churches, false leaders, who were saying, if he was so powerful and so great, why is he always going through stuff? It's in there. Some of the most amazing things Paul ever talked about was in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, where he, he said, I speak as a fool, and he, he defended himself against these, those that were using his circumstances to say how, uh, how he was not who he appeared to be. Because a great man of God wouldn't be going through stuff like that all the time. Not so. Not so. We think 
Paul doesn't know what we went through. Well, I'll tell you what right now. I have read this. I've studied this. I'm not ready to make a definitive statement, but I'm giving you my opinion, not a doctrine, an opinion. Uh, I believe that Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin. That was the 70 ruling elders of Israel. To be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married. And when Paul was converted, it would appear as though his Jewish wife was so humiliated that she abandoned him. And that is probably the reason why Paul remained single the rest of his days. Because he biblically did not have grounds for remarriage. <laughs> I mean, he made a statement about Peter. Don't we have the right to lead around a wife? He didn't say he never had had a wife. What he's basically saying is, don't I have a right not to be lonely? Didn't the book say it's good, not good for a man to be alone? And yet, all of his persecution started because he was the hero of the Jews and persecuting the church. And you talk about a betrayal. It would be like the head of the most powerful person in Islam becoming a firebrand apostolic preacher. He would not be looked on by them in a favorable way. So the, the point of my introduction here <laughs> is that the Spirit is saying some things to the church. I'll say it again. Each one of our congregations has a unique challenge. Praise God. And I'm going to say something here. I don't need to say this, but I'm just going to say it because I feel like it. If there's anybody here or at Antioch that thinks that David Stephen Wright is leading Arnold or Joel Seth Wright is leading Antioch West because they're related to me, you don't know me at all. You don't know me at all. In fact, I think I could tell it now, but within the last three to four years, both of them have been invited to leave if they'd like. Oh, absolutely. And uh, your pastor has been invited to leave twice. (laughs) 
it worked. I've said it. I'll say it to you again. There has never been a conversation to this day where I've ever said to either one of them, it's the will of God for you to be here. Do I believe that's in the will of, the will of God for them to be here? Yeah. But they have to figure that out for themselves. Because at the end of the day, I don't have any problem specifying which hat I'm wearing when I talk. Now, they have a problem separating who's talking, but I don't. And so I announce, now this is not dad talking. This is your bishop talking on a few occasions. It's your employer talking. So the point I'm making to whomever is that uh, I am far below Jesus' nepotism, if you want to call it that. Because I can fairly easily demonstrate that six of the twelve apostles were related to Jesus by blood. So if that's nepotism, which it was not, there's no nepotism going on here. In fact, <laughs> uh, Lord have mercy, there's uh if you look really deep in the eyes, you'll see the pressure. And I'm not putting it on them, but there's pressure. And they're having to learn how to deal with that pressure. Oh, no wonder this was taped. It's broken. I didn't know that. I just felt it loose and was tightened on it, and it just skipped right on through. Praise God. It's still working. I broke it, and it's still working. Or I... Reveal the break afresh. I, I said this before. I'm saying it again. This is Thursday night, so listen to me carefully. Okay. There were not people chosen to go and chosen to stay based on popularity. We prayed. We earnestly prayed. We spent months praying and talking about who we should invite to stay and who we should invite to leave or go with the new group, okay? We did our best to do the will of God. There's been some adjustments since June the 5th, but surprisingly, not that many, really, surprisingly. When you consider the size of our church and how radical this change was in the natural, surprisingly, there hasn't been that many ch changes. I'm headed someplace. Hang on. Okay. I really am. It's easy to say you believe. But it's a challenge to adjust your lifestyle 
to reflect that faith. I didn't say reflect doctrine, rules, expectations. I said faith. It's a challenge to adjust your lifestyle to fit your faith. Because there are a lot of things you can do and go to heaven doing them. But you can't do that and provide room in your life for faith. We're not talking about heaven or hell here. We're talking about faith or not faith. We're talking about being in the stands or on the field when it happens. And you may not think sitting here right now that matters to you. But trust me, for those of you that have been around Antioch very long and survived this long, it's going to matter to you as the manifestation begins to happen whether or not you're on the field or in the stands simply as a spectator. It's going to matter. It's going to matter. I, I, you know, <laughs> I wasn't raised poor, but I wasn't raised with money either. My grandfather owned four, my dad's father owned 40 acres of ground. You don't get rich off 40 acres of ground. My grandfather, my mother's dad owned 40 acres of ground. And you don't get rich off 40 acres of ground. And my dad joined the Navy as an enlisted man the day after Pearl Harbor. And he was enlisted for 17 years and commissioned. And we, we didn't experience a lot of deprivation. But we didn't have a lot of luxuries either. The point I'm trying to get to with that statement is there's nothing about my background, my natural background that would indicate that God had any special place for me in him. And yet something's happening in the earth. I went to Brazil and uh, in March, and uh, taught three days, three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon on Friday, three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon on Saturday, and taught straight through without stopping six hours and 35 minutes on Sunday, and then prayed for an, for people for an hour and 20 minutes is when I finished teaching, and then came back two hours later for church and prayed for people another hour plus after church that night. But there was something that was good. There was something that was happening in Singapore this year. I knew that as I was teaching, that this was not for the group of people, just just for the people sitting here. That there was something very significant happening and being said. And if you've bothered to watch any of the Call of War 2017 in Singapore, it is sequentially. You don't start with number three or five or seven. There's eight sessions. They're sequential. If you're not going to watch them in order, you're not going to get 
out of what the Lord's saying. But it's the most clear, concise teaching on apostolic praying that God has ever used me to do ever, anytime, place. And then I go to Brazil, and they want to know what it means to be apostolic versus Pentecostal. And for 19 plus hours, without any notes, now that's, that's the joke, see. Because I taught six hours and 35 minutes on Sunday and posted my notes online for people that want it. <laughs> it was a list of scriptures about this law. That was the notes. But I've never had the Lord make it so clear to me the difference between being apostolic and Pentecostal. And here we are right now where the Lord is calling people to be apostolic. And there is a dividing line in the spirit being drawn in the church today throughout the world. And on one side is going to be the Pentecostals who want to just have a good experience, go to church and feel good. And the other other side is going to be the apostolics who want to be fully and truly and completely a part of what God has promised as his purpose and plan in the earth. And that dividing line's taking place. It's taking place. It's drawn, and I don't minister any time or any place since October that I don't sense in the spirit, even in this session, where there's a line drawn. And God is seeing who decides to be on which side of the line. Because you see, if you choose Pentecostal, you can feel good. You can obey the gospel, come to church, live right, try to go to heaven. But that's it. That's it. That's all there is. There's no more. There's no faith beyond that. That's it. But for those that want to be truly apostolic, not just in doctrine, but in faith, in vision, in life, in lifestyle, in ministry, and as a part of what God's got planned in the earth, if you allow the Spirit to work in your life, it will produce a dramatic change in your priorities. Right, my life is so full, so busy. No, 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 that's the lie. I'm sorry. Every one of us has all the time in the world to do what we really want to do. It's the truth. If you're too busy for the things of God, all you're doing is saying they're not my priority. The things of God are not my priority. They're not my priority. The word of God's not my priority. The plan and purpose of God's not my priority. Just want to be saved. I just want to go to church, be a good person, and be saved. That's Pentecostal. That's not apostolic. 
What's the Spirit saying to the churches? What's the Spirit saying to the churches? What's the Spirit saying to you? That's why to me, <laughs> prayer is so different today than it's ever been in my life. Because it's an attitude of prayer and a connection of the spirit that you stay in consciously or subconsciously all day long. There's not this pressure to get done. So there's no watch clock to measure time by as an apostolic bishop I'd rather have somebody who spends five minutes on their knees every day but stays in the spirit and communication with God all day long than a person who gets on their knees and prays two hours and when they get up they're disconnected and they go about their life doing their thing I didn't say that's the best way, but I said I. what I know and understand now, that's what I would prefer because that's closer to what the book is saying. So <laughs> your pastor, pastor's wife and I had a, have a unique relationship. She is willing to be... Uh, talked to pretty straight by me on occasion. And she seems to take it pretty well. I appreciate that. But she's so frustrated because she just wants to spend all her time praying all day, and she's got three kids. I said, so you don't pray throughout the day? Well, yeah, but it's not enough. According to who or whom? So you talk in tongues off and on throughout the day? Yeah. You pray consciously and subconsciously throughout the day? Yeah. And that's a bad thing. Well, no. But it's not enough. Well, I'm glad for you it's not enough, but poor old Jesus, he just doesn't understand you got three little kids. Trust me, we've had them since Tuesday. And I love them to death. And they are, they are bright, active kids. Really, they're sweet kids, but oh God, they're almost five and seven and ten. Oh, my. I'm exhausting thinking about going home. And this is the 10-year-old, you know, the one that knows everything, right? We're sitting at the table this evening, and my wife says to me, would you, would you like anything else? Because I'd finished what was on my plate. I said, well, sure, when you can. Fine, I'll take some more. It's good. Very good. And she gets up. And Miss 10-year-old says to me, can I ask you a question? 
I said, yes, ma'am, you can. Do you ever get up and get your own food? Wait now, wait, we're not done. We're not done. And uh, I said, yes, ma'am, occasionally I do. But And she looked at her grandmother and said, Mom, Mom, you don't ever get to finish your food. So here's Miss Know-It-All, 10-year-old sanctimonious one, right? Yeah. Five minutes later, she's done. And she wants her grandmother to get up and do something for her. And while her grandmother's trying to finish eating, this happens twice. And the second time, she wants her grandmother to quit eating and come outside and watch them play. And I was this close. And I'm not sure those fingers aren't going to touch sometime between now and tomorrow when their parents come home. So I'm saying to the pastor's wife, uh, if you're not praying at all, then it's a problem. But you're praying throughout the day. Yes, sir, I am. Well, then I got a question. What's the problem? Well, it's not enough, I said. And whose voice is it telling you? That it's not enough. If you listen real close, it kind of sounds like that one from long ago in your past that kept telling you you never did anything good enough. And we've dealt with that voice, haven't we? There is something significant happening. You say, well, why are you being so vague? Because I'm not willing to be specific yet. Soon. The primary difference between being apostolic and being Pentecostal is Pentecostals are church service focused and church calendar focused. And everything is built around the church service and having church and having good church. And and then the calendar is built around filling time up so people don't have enough time to backslide. And after 49 years in the ministry in a month or two, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. What do apostolics do? Apostolics have church, they come to church, they participate in church, but their focus is the field. It's the field. The focus is the field. And some are making that transition, or some are going to make the transition, or not even started yet, and some, some, are not going to make the transition at all. Some are hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church. You're feeling this in your spirit. You feel the tug. You feel the call. You feel the, 
You know, it's so an, such an amazing thing when your favorite food doesn't taste good anymore and your favorite programs are boring out of your mind. And you sit around doing the stuff you've been filling your time doing and you get so empty inside. You go, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Do you think that's you? You think that's just a phase of life? Is there any chance it's the spirit working in you? Is it any chance? Yes, it is. It's the spirit working in you. I want to read you something. We, uh, you may or may not know my wife and I went to Arkansas. Um, <laughs> and uh, we went out there to see and participate with Brother Shelton's newest addition, a little boy named Malachi. Malachi Douglas Scott Shelton. And when I first heard that he was going to name the child Malachi before he was born, they knew it was going to be a boy. My, my thought was, the same thought I had when the Lord told me that Joel's middle name was supposed to be Seth. Who wants a kid named Seth? Now I have a grandfather. My dad's dad was named Seth. I've got an uncle named Seth, but I never, ever, ever, ever intended to have a son named Seth. So when I heard the name Malachi, I'm thinking, whew, he better be one special kid because you sticking him with a name like Malachi, it's not going to be good. And then the Lord said to me, but I gave the child, I'm giving the child, and I, <laughs> you ready? I'm giving the child. And it's, and I gave the name. So at 8.30 in the morning on April 2nd, as I was praying here before leaving for Arkansas, this is what the Lord gave me, and I sent this to Brother Shelton, but you'll quickly see that this is not just to Brother Shelton. I don't know if this has ever really happened to me like this before, but it, this is a prophecy that I wrote down. I don't know if he's ever done this to me or with me exactly like this before at all. Uh <laughs> The title of the email was The Message of Malachi, and if you look it up, you'll find the word name Malachi means my messenger. Thus saith the Lord, I have given you Malachi as my message. I have called you to deliver the message of Malachi to my people. That won't make any sense to you till you bother reading the book of Malachi, which is some really strong stuff. 
I will not strive with them much longer. Let me restart again I, without comment if I can. Thus saith the Lord, I have given you Malachi as my message. I have called you to deliver the message of Malachi to my people. I will not strive with them much longer. I will fulfill my word. To do that, I must find a people who will love me with their whole hearts and put my kingdom first in their lives. I call my people to repentance. For if they will not give themselves to me without reservation and submit themselves to my mission in the earth, I will find those who will. Even as I turn from the Hebrews to the Gentiles, I will once again find a people who will desire me more than, yea, even their own lives. But for you, my son, be faithful to me. Be very faithful. Faithfully speaking what I give you to speak, not adding to or taking away from what I desire to speak through you. If you are faithfully my man and my voice, I will be your shield and your very great reward. It gets stronger. Speak my word to my men. Tell them for me that I will hold them personally accountable for the spiritual condition of my people. They are the shepherds that I have placed over my flock, and I will require of them the state of my flocks. They must not think that I will save unfaithful shepherds. I have given them much and will require much in return. I am the Lord God. These are my sheep, and it is my pasture. Yet they do not discern what I have given to them with which they are to minister and speak my word. Therefore, their lack of discernment causes them to discount and disparage what I have given and already imparted to them. They do not discern because they do not seek my face as faithful shepherds should. But if they will repent... I will use them to bring my people to repentance, revival, and harvest. If they will not, then I will proclaim myself this day to be the adversary of all that they are doing, both naturally and spiritually. What they try to build, I will tear down. What they try to gather, I will scatter. For I will be an adversary of all things done by and through humanity for the purpose of providing an offering to me in the type of their father Cain. But again, if they will repent, I will show both them and my people more of me than they have ever imagined me to be. I will get myself great glory through those who will walk faithfully with me by my word, through my spirit, And in my name, saith the Lord. Now, the only warning that the world in Noah's day had that things were about to radically change was the word preached by a crazy man building a boat not even close to the water. Just the word. The word was the only warning. The only warning. (laughs) All the way back to the garden, Christ was prophesied. 
said to the serpent, you're going to bruise the woman's seed's heel, but the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. All the way from then until Bethlehem, there was a promise and a faith. There's coming a Savior. There's coming Messiah. But when he was born in that cave, being used as a stable, his mom was there. His stepfather, legally his father, but biologically his stepfather, some shepherds showed up because of an angelic choir that's it oh no no how about the three wise men uh sorry the three wise men showed up to a house so it wasn't at the time of his birth But eight days after he's born, he's taken to the temple to be presented to the Lord. We call that dedication. And there was an old man there named Simon or Simeon who said the Lord told him he would not die and leave this earth till he saw the Lord's Christ. And a a woman who was in her 80s, if I remember correctly, who had been married seven years, her husband died, and rather than remarry, she spent the rest of her life praying and fasting and spending time at the temple waiting on God, and she came out and prophesied. So Mary, Joseph, some shepherds, three foreigners, an old man and an old woman were the only ones that believed. He's here. And then there was 30 years of nothing. And yet something. Christ was here waiting for the right time to be manifested. Oh, dear ones, I travel the world preaching this stuff to people. If there's anybody in the world that it really, really, really matters to me that they get this, it's Antioch. And if you judge what's going on in this kingdom of God by what you see with your eyes at this moment, you are going to miss it. You're going to miss it. If you want to know what the Spirit is saying to the churches, you got to get in the Spirit. Spend time in the Spirit every day. And listen. 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 If you're in your car, turn off the music. Turn off the radio, especially if you're by yourself. Don't 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 fill the the quietness up with sound. If you want to hear the voice of God, I'm not preaching against radio. I'm not preaching against the the music. It may be the best, most anointed music you ever heard in your life. But the point I'm making is this: You hear music. What do you want to do? Is praise, not listen. 
If you're in the car by yourself, listen. When you have an opportunity, even if it's for 15 or 20 minutes, get alone and eliminate all sound. I mean, don't let anything cloud your the atmosphere that you have a choice on whether or not that sound. Just listen. Speak to me, Father. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Don't let me miss this. I pray this regularly. Don't let me miss it, Father. Don't let me miss it. Brother Barnes told me years ago, he said, Brother Wright, you need to pray every day for the Lord to give you ears to hear what he's saying to the church. Every day. Lord, give me ears to hear what you're saying. I want to hear what the Spirit is saying. Not has said, not is going to say, but what he's saying right now. Because for me, the Word of God is what God has said. And the, and all the promises of the past, all of that's important. But my faith in all of that is absolutely, my faith in all that God has said in his word and all that God has said in his spirit to this church and to me or in the past, all of my faith in all of that is irrelevant if I'm not in tune with the spirit right now. Because the spirit of the Lord is the only way I will not miss the time I will not miss what God is doing to position me is there anybody sitting here that don't have that doesn't have some kind of hardship going on in your life if there is I don't know about it if there's anyone sitting here that doesn't have challenges in their life hardships in their life whether it's physical or family whether it's financial or whatever it would be. There's not anybody here that doesn't have challenges in their life right now. Some of us face so much disappointment over the way our lives have turned out, the way our kids' lives have turned out. Got to put this stuff. Got to put this stuff in the hands of God. Got to put it in the hands of God. And realize that the Lord's in control. He knows what He's doing. I need an. I, an old prophet of God said to me as a very young pastor. He said, "Brother Wright, the Lord will always leave some type of crisis in your life every day." So you never forget that you can't do this yourself. But the tragedy is when we use that crisis, when we let the adversary use that crisis to convince us we just don't have what it takes to be a part of what God's doing. I'm sorry to tell you it's not the case. It's not the case. Let's pray a little bit here if we could, please. I don't know that I'm done, but I probably am. But God's not done. What's the Spirit saying to you? Well, He's not saying anything to me. It's not that He's unwilling. Aren't you a part of the church? He's speaking to the church. He wants you to hear what He's got to say. He wants you to hear it. 
The Lord wants you to hear what he's saying to the church. Because you're a part of the church. The church is not a an entity unto itself. The church is the collective members of the body. So if he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to us individually. The question is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Well, I I don't know what to do, Brother Wright. I'm telling you tonight what to do. You spend time in the Spirit and listen. And he will tell you what he wants you to do when he wants you to do it. And what he tells you is always possible his way. Oh, Brother Wright, I prayed and I'm in a situation where a situation was going to be better for us, and but the pressure from this situation is so great, it's about to suffocate me. Oh, so the Lord didn't know anything about that when you prayed and he gave you the answer he did. <laughs> I can tell you right now, some of the most difficult situations in my life I found myself in were a product of prayer. I followed the Lord. I listened to the Holy Ghost. I did what God said. And the place that God led me to was a very difficult place for a while. And the idea that if you listen to God and you're always, and you're in His will, that it's always going to be an easy place, it's going to be no problem, then tell me what Job did wrong. See, that's our problem. We want Jesus to make us happy. Well, he told us how you'd be happy. Because the word blessed means to be happy. To be envied. Did you you never read the Beatitudes? Happy are they who are persecuted for the gospel's sake. Blessed are the persecuted. Happy. That's not the kind of happy I'm talking about. Then you're not talking about spiritual happiness. Happiness is knowing you're in the will of God. And that the situation you're in, no matter how difficult it may be for you physically, emotionally, financially, or otherwise, that God has led you into that situation in His will for His purposes. He doesn't make accidents. I've said this many times. The only way you can judge a spiritual decision is not based on what appears to be the outcome of that decision. The way you judge a spiritual decision is, did I wait on God? Did I seek the Lord? Did I do my best to find the mind of God? Did I do the mind of God? If I did that, then it doesn't matter what how it turned out, good or bad in our human estimation. Because it was a good decision if God was the one who was given the prerogative to make it instead of me making it. It was a good decision. And if it led me into difficult times for a while, He has a purpose and a plan because He doesn't want you left in the stands. 
He doesn't want you left in the stands. He wants you on the field. He wants you involved. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Some of you waiting for the chance, the opportunity God's got for you. Some of you waited a long time before you got your chance. God's in control if you let him be. He will not wrestle you for control. That's what faith is. Faith produces trust. Trust gives up control. Here I am, Lord, whatever your plan for me is. Whatever your place for me is in your kingdom, in your plan, in your purposes, purpose, here it is. I'm yours, Father. I'm yours. And here's the thing about him that's so amazing to me. If you've messed everything up so bad, you can't imagine your life ever being straight again. He specializes in taking disasters and making them into situations that can give him great glory. If he could take Saul and make him into a Paul, then your life has never been so messed up or you've never made so many bad decisions that God can't take you and glorify himself through your life no matter how old you were. Can you imagine that? The great Moses virtually did nothing of spiritual significance till he was 80. I'm getting old. My time has passed. I'll tell you something. You, maybe you're old. I'm not. I'm, I still got nine years to go before Moses even started being who he was. Abraham, he messed up for a hundred years before he finally got it right. I'm being serious with you. Well, I don't know if I'm going to live that long. That's not the point. I don't care what the devil says about what your life has been like and how much you've messed up, what mistakes you've made and things you can't ever fix. It'll never be the same again. I'll never be able to be what God wanted me to be. I've made bad decisions, bad choices. Let me tell you something. My God, my God specializes in being able to take disasters and make them into great victories. He specializes in that. And that's what he's wanting to do for us tonight. Jesus' name, church. Ask the Lord if it's his will for you to take a few moments of time on the phone and just call and encourage someone to come to church this weekend. Just ask him that. Before you make a decision about Saturday night, why don't you ask him, Father, is it your will for me to be in church Saturday night? <laughs> no. Those are the kind of decisions we make ourselves, aren't they? And that's where we miss it really bad. Praise God. Father, 
In Jesus' name, you have spoken to us tonight, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I don't know these hearts. I don't even know my own heart. You know my heart. You know each of our hearts. You didn't put us here by accident. There's a lot of places you could have saved us. We could have gone through the normal routine of being saved. But you've put each person in this church, especially to be here, to be a part of what you are doing and what you're going to do as a part of this church and through this church in the world. You've, you've called each one of us, those who think they're important and those who think they're very unimportant, we're all the same to you, Father. You've got a place for each one of us if we're willing to wait on you until we find it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, praise God.